January 9, 2021, it's the Watt for Pedro Show. <laughs>
for Pedro Show. Happy Saturday. My brother Matt at the Love Grotto. A couple of my suckers were quitting quarantine mode still, but I am not totally man alone due to those uh, incredible software engineers in Estonia with their Skype invention. I got Tom and Colin with me from USA. <laughs> USA is a monster. There you go. <laughs> okay. Okay. And, uh, one uh, Charlottesville, one Ann Arbor, Virginia, Michigan. Uh, if you could see my hand, people, I, I could show you where Ann Arbor is. <laughs> US yeah. 23. It's a little about 40 miles west of Detroit. And Charlottesville, kind of middle. A little more to the northeast, maybe. But. Middle. Uh, Mr. Jefferson, I, I brought a couple of my bands to Monticello and showed them uh, yeah, the, the first dome house, I think, in North America. Uh, I should tell the people we start John Coltrane uh, walking live 1960 and then Rapido Amigo quick friend quick friend <laughs> from USA is monster uh, who wants to go first because I want to go through each of you a little quick uh, journey through your music thing Tommy why don't you go yeah, okay, yeah. Tom, Tom please your earliest musical recollection earliest musical recollection would be well you know my parents had a huge collection of classical music on LPs and um, that's what was available when I was really young and um, to be honest the most probably the most profound one would be spinning a like a John Philip Sousa greatest hits record we had these old Persian rugs and me and my sister would put on John Philip Sousa and blast because it, it was powerful music you know like <laughs> we, we were feeling it pretty hard and we would like march around the border of the rug to John Philip Sousa. And I remember that like kind of had this weird, you know, it did that gut feeling thing to me. I was like, this is powerful, you know. <laughs> uh, versus dancing. <laughs> marching. Yeah. You know, actually, there's a lot of shit going on in that stuff. You you hear the little fife. I mean, there's like all these weird parts. Yeah. And John Coltrane actually, like the fucking, uh, uh, what, what's that straight sax? Huh? Alto? No, soprano. Yeah, he brought that back because that's from John Philip Sousa days. Also, no way. Uh, pinchy way. You know, I wouldn't fuck with you. So, uh, <laughs> your your folks were more like listeners instead. In was there any instruments in the pad? Yeah, there was a piano for sure. And so I grew up taking Suzuki violin lessons, and my mom would accompany me and my sister. I played violin, and she played cello, and so. Yeah, my mom would play, you know, on a good week, we'd practice four or five times a week. So, and my mom could hammer stuff out um, and she would play a little bit, but mostly we were just plowing through those Suzuki books. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Did you pick the violin? Uh, you know what? I, I think it was, yeah, maybe it was, I don't honestly know. I think maybe my mom was like, do you want to play the violin? I said, okay. Um, and my sister picked picked the cello which was cool so we, we had this little trio going with the you know violin cello piano um but that's a good question i don't remember if i said yeah i don't, want to play the violin it's a what from pedro show there's no hard questions and there's no wrong answers <laughs> <laughs> but what's the trip about the violin and cello they're both in fifths so a lot yeah. of drama between the strings yeah yeah now the piano you got a fucking button for each note what, yep. what, what what about school? Were you in the choir or the marching band or shit like that? Um, definitely in high school I was in the in chorus, you know. And well, sure. Well, okay. 
let me go farther back than that. And in, in Rudolph Steiner School in Ann Arbor, there was a lot of singing. Um, you know, we'd sing a song in the morning, and there'd be songs throughout the day. So definitely did a lot of singing at a young age. Um, my, my parents worked at this summer camp, too, and it was like a arts and science camp. And they'd get kids from all over the country, and my dad would take everybody up in this tree called the singing tree i remember singing in there when i was really young um but uh is it was it weird like because the fucking bosses your pop i remember <laughs> dudes in little league and navy housing i always you know it seemed like they, they didn't want to show like they were doing favors so they'd be all heavy on even though their boys got to pitch and shit <laughs> <laughs> I, I think that was pretty low pressure as far as like are you you know it was like folk songs like camp songs so it wasn't like he wasn't checking in on people and being like are you singing the right note okay <laughs> but and for sure when i by the time i got to high school and i was in in choir and that was cool you know that 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 um choir teacher was really he wanted to get stuff right and so it was like really making sure you we were on pitch and stuff so that was cool like it's definitely like taken it to another level of like of working at the music you know and what was the first record you bought with your own money you know once again it's a little i think i think it was a gift so this isn't my first record that i got no, a but gift I, I ask i ask about buying with your own money because when you're a kid you yeah. ain't got yeah, a lot right. of money so it's like okay. man what would you spend your money on you know yeah, no, it was definitely, I think it was Red Hot Chili Peppers' Uplift Moco Party Plan um, when I was, like, in fifth grade, and it was a, a buddy of mine. I didn't have MTV, um, but my buddy had it, and he saw some Red Hot Chili Peppers videos and was like, this band's was, you know, had that, he was like, this band's cool, we should check them out. <laughs> I think George and, Clinton produced that one. yeah. Yeah, and, and amazing, and this is a funny side note of it, but the thing I remember most, I mean, obviously I opened and listened to it, but I remember that excitement of, like, I bought a cassette tape at the at the music store, and it had this, like, smell to it. It was like that weird, sweet plastic smell. <laughs> and I know that's weird, but I still remember No, no, smell. I know what you're talking about. It's like the smell of that tape, and you open it up, and it kind of, like, it has that smell, and, like, I must have had some little cassette player thing in, in my room um I, I grew up on a farm or whatever so I, yeah i remember taking it home and playing it and like I, yeah for sure that was the first record i was like uh, you know it was like straight like we we, we saw it, i saw it on my buddy's house on mtv and we we're kind of like this band's cool we should check it out you know so it's kind of for and your buddy made, made that decision to like okay let's go get a tape you know <laughs> now what was the first gig you went and saw um the, well the first like rock gig you know, I probably saw a lot of classical music when I was younger with my parents. But the first one I like bought tickets and went to was um, uh, Midnight Oil on their first tour in Ann Arbor. <laughs> okay, Australia guys. Australian guys, yeah. How do we sleep when our beds are burning? Um, which was amazing. Interestingly enough, like you know, that was sort of this anthem about indigenous rights of Australian Aborigine and. Yeah, I um, think the singer turned you know, into a, a yeah, politician. He's a political man. guy. Yeah, yeah. Really cool guy, and um, which is funny because of course that song was a huge hit in the United States because it was like kind of this issue that's a huge underlying issue in the U.S. But like since it was coming from another you know colonial country, 
people were just like, oh my gosh, this, this, you know, like we can really <laughs> love this. Um, so I, in a way it's, to me, it's like cool that like, that, yeah, that just ended up being, I was like the right age and like I heard that song on the radio and maybe kids were talking about it and like, and I went and it was at the Michigan theater, which is a movie theater and it's full of seats. Well, I know all about it. I did a gig for uh, Ronnie. Okay. With the Stooges, right? Yeah, yeah a, no doubt. It was a so tribute. It's kind of a, it does, it's weird because you can't really dance. You know, you're like, remember just everybody was standing on their seats. And it was an amazing show. Like, it was their first, I think, you know, they just had a big hit and they were like on tour and like they had a trombone player and. Um, There's some bass clef. I'll tell you, you know, 10 years arena rock, that's the way that shit was. You couldn't. You know, they were. It was bullshit. It was like club gigs. You couldn't move around. Yeah, you got seats, and yeah, that's why I think the punk movement came because of your action to that. Now, yeah. for USA is a monster. You're singing and doing what else? Um, singing, playing drums, and then also playing. Okay, like, okay. I understand how you got on the singing because you got singing way back in your family and in school and shit in the summer yeah. camps. But how did you get on the fucking drums? Oh my gosh, drums was like early high school. Um, fourteen, I got asked to be in some bands, and I and I some kid at my high school sold me a guitar and like a little practice amp, and I got asked to be in this band with a couple of people, and I went to the first practice, and I, you know, I didn't know anything about anything with with rock yet, so I, you know, I turned up this little amp, and it was like a bunch of people just freaking out, and I couldn't hear the guitar, so I was bummed. I was like you know, this sucks. And, um, a couple practices later, there was like a, you know, the drum kit was available. And like, um, the, this is a funny story. The guy whose drum kit it was, didn't want anybody to play it. So he had like taken his drumsticks. So I was like, fuck it. I want to play the drums, you know, try them. I thought I could have a go at it. So I didn't, but there's no sticks, but there was these like curtain rods in the house. <laughs> and you beat the shit out of it. So, and I was just like, I'm not, yeah, I'm going to play. So I like, I like pulled these curtain rods off. They were wood. They were, they were more or less the shape. They're like, yeah, like rods, fucking you know? bro yeah, broomstick. <laughs> yeah. So it was so rad. I was like, cause it was funny. The guy was just like, okay, maybe if I don't, if I like take my sticks with me, nobody will play the drums. But I was like, fuck that. So I ripped these curtain dowels off and like played and like and then that was it i was just like this this is what i want to do it's probably huge and, ass dimples in the heads and shit. yeah and that so like the first band i was in in ann arbor was just basically it, it became 10 we would just like freak out and jam for like two hours it was like hard as we could and it was super free and at that point i was just like I knew that no matter what happened, like I could hear the drums, you know. <laughs> yep, yep. The winner by default. Here, I want to play a dessert. No, is it desert? <laughs> yeah, it's desert, yeah. It's desert. <laughs> Land and start and come to you 
And my hand is steady
morning light Traps me at the end of another night Too many memories Too much to drink I'm soaking my head In the sink And out my window I can see Tomorrow's coming Tomorrow's coming If I could only slow this world from turning But tomorrow's coming And this one Will be a fist in the chest For breakfast, left over from the night before. That bad news is restless, and the devil is standing at my door. Going on back to disaster, downhill backward with no Taking all the same chances, making the same mistake. Somebody's got to fuss And if somebody starts a fuss And if somebody starts a fuss And if somebody starts a fuss I believe I'll keep a fuss I believe I, I believe I'll keep up and fuss
for Pedro Show. That chunk of music started off with USA is a monster with, with desert. <laughs> like the Mojave out here. Um, David Gerard uh, put out a new ambient record. He had me aboard for the Somnibulist Part 1. Then Hans Rott with Sonny Loop. Endless Seafood guided by voice Bob Pollard with another album, people. Numbers Band, Back to Disaster. Influential Akron Band. A lot of fucking noise over there. Bombas Prendon with Cyclotron. And Foodie from Osaka with Linear Motor Car. Actually, that's a kind of a train. Uh, like these maglevs where they don't touch the ground. Uh, yeah, levitate, magnetic. And then finally, uh, USA is a monster with cocaine wedding. <laughs> don't even want to yeah. know what that's about. Colin, your earliest musical re recollection, please. I would say probably my dad singing in the car. He sang all the time and would harmonize with the radio, and we would all sing along. Oh, cool. AM radio? I think at this point it might have been FM. Okay. Yeah, because I just went into auto watt young man, younger man mode, and yeah, it was AM radio. Okay. <laughs> and and yeah. at, like I asked Tom, at the pad, was there fucking instruments? No. Um, my dad had a pretty good hi-fi that he got with the money from getting out of the Marine Corps, and he, he put it into like a reel-to-reel -reel and a record player, good speakers. So we we'd listen to music, but no instruments. And, and what kind of? So he was a listener. What, what was? Uh, do you listen to all kinds of music, or rock and roll, or classical, or what? Yeah, I would say mostly rock and roll and and music from when he grew up, like in the fifties. Okay. Yeah. Which yeah, a lot of rock and roll in those days. Uh, yeah. And then. Uh, the thing about, like, school, were you in the choir or the marching band or shit like that? Yeah, I was in the chorus through junior high. I took some guitar lessons on the side, and I think senior year, I, I actually, or no, junior year, I played in the jazz band for a couple months <laughs> uh, playing guitar. Wow. And uh, first record you bought with your own money? I uh, can't really... Re uh, recollect that okay and first gig uh <laughs> well i did see diana ross in the 80s yeah well, in the for me music is music i i fucking hate the idea of genre so it's it's cool it's cool and diana ross she she had some pipes oh she was as big as they get yeah good good singer good singer uh actually though she's better with the other two sisters so supremes Great song, but 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 still, incredible lady. Uh, what about the thing after school? Uh, the, the basement band, the garage band, the bedroom band. Did you do that? Yeah, definitely. Uh, we had high school bands that would practice in the basement or whatever, and mostly do covers, but throw in a couple originals. Ah, so you started writing on the guitar, right? Yes. Yeah, I I started writing in junior high. I'd say. That's great. What'd you use? Like a four track? Um, nothing. Nothing. Oh, I would wow. write the, you know, I would just write them and sure. I didn't get into recording till like say 19 years old. So you would write the lyrics down on paper. Yep. But would you write the chords <laughs> down? It was all memory rock, right? Yeah. Yeah. I'd write some of the chords down. I have a couple old silly pieces of paper with, you know, 
that I took real seriously at the time. Now, was any of those those bands, those after-school bands, uh, did they any of them do gigs? We did. I would say, you know, like maybe four gigs in high school. But mainly uh, it was couple. just practice, right? Just hanging totally. out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And what was the first gig like? I'd say, yeah, well, I'd say the first one was probably, I, I'll tell you what, I'll tell you what, there was one gig of the three or whatever where we played at a like VFW hall at one of our, one of the band members, parents, friends, kegger hangout. <laughs> and they tacitly allowed us to get wasted and jam for hours. <laughs> and it, it was really profound, you know, to uh, imp- stretch out and improvise and, yeah and that was a big deal you know at the time to go okay wow so the gig was a success definitely there was a guy there that jammed with us he came up with his harmonicas and i guess we did some blues and he sang and stuff and he told us now again i love doesn't matter if it's real or not but he told us he used to write songs with getty lee and play in the Almond Brothers, <laughs> so and and he and 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 we were all and you know we were kids and we and he said you guys got it like uh, you know I'm gonna make some calls you know and it was like that. I thought it was gonna be like that Cat Beefheart song, "Give Me That Harp Boy." You know, supposedly him and Lil Walter had a it was at the whiskey they had like a little harmonica dually in the head. Because everybody thought it was him making fun of that fat dude in Canned Heat. But what I in the Mike Barnes book, they talk about <laughs> it. Actually, him and little Walter having a dually in the pisser at the whiskey up in West Hollywood. Wow. Because he, he does say, it ain't no fat man's toy. So I guess they, uh, <laughs> not the alley guy, but the big man, right? Huh. But it wasn't about the big man. But but that's it. anyway. He he got you all foamed up. He got you going. He never made the calls, did he? Oh God, no, no. And I kind of maybe tried to Google him once. I don't have even a name, you know. But you you know, but I haven't so far seen a lot of co-writers, you know, from Connecticut <laughs> on Rush Records or whatever. Well, the the drummer man. Well, I guess he wasn't the original guy, but the second guy. Actually, I think we lost him last year with cancer or something. But he yeah. wrote their words, right? Yeah. yeah. Yes, he did. You know, I don't know a lot about him, but if you play in a trio, everybody thinks you're way into Rush. <laughs> you know, because nobody remembers fucking Cream or the Hendrix experience. You know, it's got to be Rush. <laughs> I've had to answer so many questions. I finally got to meet the dudes because Les Claypool's way into them and I was torn with him and Here's Mr. Lee. Actually, very nice guys. Yeah, wow. Yeah, yeah that's awesome. Well, I didn't meet the drummer man, but I met the, the two original guy, uh, Alex, I think, and Getty, Getty Lee. And uh, they were, it was at a hockey thing, you know, I think where the Maple Leafs play in Toronto. Or something. But, uh, isn't it trippy about that? You know, I saw them twice and both times, and they were like 40 years apart, and I fell asleep at both gigs. Uh, yeah. It could only last like 15, 20 minutes. <laughs> yeah. No, no disrespect, though. People were at the end of the first hour. Yeah, we, <laughs> we used to have to name drop <laughs> to get across the Canadian border, like before we had work permits. 
you know, they would always ask us, we'd have some lie, like, we're going to go record in a studio, we're not going to play gigs. And they'd be like, well, you live in Brooklyn, New York, why are you coming to Canada? And we'd just be like, dude, Rush, you kidding me? Like, <laughs> like we want to we wanna record where Rush recorded, you know? There were, they had an ELP band, too, in the 70s called Triumvirate. Uh, rat, Triumvirate. Anyway, wow. we're at the end of the first hour, 20, 21, January 9, uh, special guest Tom and Colin, hold tight for hour two. January 9, 2021, is second hour of the lot for Pedro Show. There's a story behind the legend of the warrior Geronimo. When a brooded and held captive, he said these words for his people. I cannot think that we are useless, though we vanish from the earth. Surely Usen had great purpose, giving each and all tribes birth. Born in Nodoyan Canyon, June 1829. A bed on the fourth born of angel Thank you. 
fun shit in there.
Watch the Pedro Show. Start off the second hour. USA's Monster, Geronimo. Sam Bennett, Tokyo with Dry Comedy. Monkey David Wine from Scott H. Barham. Ruby Reusable from Jerome Parker Wells out of St. Louis. And somehow, USA is Monster. So, how'd this band get together? Tom, Colin, how you meet? Well, we met. I put up an ad in a record store in Boston, and uh, Tom answered it. And we met up and started uh, jamming and writing songs immediately and got a bass player and did a band for five years in the 90s called Bull Roar. I'm curious, what did the ad say? It said, it was like, I have, I'm, I'm bad at art, so it was very ugly. Sure, sure. So, um, so that the ad had no visual appeal, but it was just like a list of 50 bands that I love and, and not just bands, just oddball stuff, I guess, uh, Hank Williams, the Minutemen, uh, the Beatles, uh, Bad Brains, just sort of all over the place, probably. And Tommy answered it, and we started jamming and writing immediately. Wow. And and, 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 and you gave a name, but that's when I lost you. Uh, right. And we got a bass player, and um, it was the three of us, and we were called Bull Roarer. And we played for five years. Bull Roarer. Like Roarer. A, yeah, like a bull that was roaring. Yeah, there's a also it's an instrument, Aboriginal instrument that uh, for like war and um, do you blow it? So do you beat it? You swing it. You, you swing, swing it. it. Okay, okay. But if a bunch of people swing them at the same time, yeah, the to- the tones are all microtonally different, of course, and it sounds like the end of the world. Ah, so it's kind of like them tubers. That you, you... Kinda, yeah. Okay, okay. Yeah, those things, sometimes you'll hear them on uh, reggae dub mix things. Okay, so why did this band end? Um, well, I tell you what, we, it was, the bass player basically quit, I guess that was why it ended. But we, Makes with sense. that band, we got to do our first touring. Yeah. And basically what happened was we did our first nationwide tour. It was like, let's say five weeks. And... I remember when we left for the tour, we didn't have we, we didn't have many new songs. We were kind of playing the same songs at that point. Like we were kind of running out of steam, essentially. Right. So I, I was worried, like, this might be weird to play the same songs every night. Now, this, the songs were really noisy and had a lot of improv within the structures, but they yeah. were structured. They were, we were a tight band, but it was pretty crazy. But but by playing the same songs every night, it took it to this spiritual level that I got fully addicted to. And then the band broke up as soon as the tour was over, but me and Tommy decided to keep going and started USA's a monster, you know, months later. But just you two without the bass man. Yeah. The bass man moved to Ibiza and, um, dance his brains out. (laughs) Yeah. He just, yeah, well, (laughs) here, I want to play gray out with the E gray with the E.
rock on the trap line where the wild forest promised cash winning fur until his wife Anna Herio protested the cruel killing of these living things. This was a start for a change of heart. From now on all creatures they would love as children. Already keen on things Indian, Archie started writing and would sign his pages thus. I am Grey Owl, I have
was relating to you some, I think it was Bertrand Russell, he said, two people divided by a common language, huh? bonnet and hood and windscreen, windshield and yeah. trunk and boot and shit like that. Gray with right. the e, gray with the E. So, uh, uh, Gray Al, USA is monster. Yeah, I can hear you talking this way from Transit Drum. Tommy Smith with Golgotha Pinch Front Crown. That's Tom Smith from uh, To Live and Shave in L.A. He was on a couple episodes ago. I see you. The new Harnessians. I guess they're in harnesses. I think these are New England cats. And Plus Dog Plus, Weaponized Education. I love guys... You know, I, I couldn't decide whether to send you my hardcore band or my experimental band. Man, why can't you just fucking have a band, dude? And USA is a monster with We Are Not Alone. So, you, did you start the band just as a duo, or did you look for another bass man? Um, well, we, when we, the first... USA is a monster iteration, I think, was four, and then it was seven people, and then it went to two. The The beginning of it was a little messy as far as what we were trying to do. Um, but when we, when we started the band, we had a sort of a venue in Charlottesville, Virginia, and we were sort of, we were hosting shows as well as trying to write music and perform ourselves um so after almost a year of doing that and it was great we put it we brought a lot of good bands and, and had a good scene in charlottesville at the time but we was realized that, uh, that we were is this around the time there was uh, is this time around when they had tokyo rose yeah for sure yep um i played there a couple we, times we, you yeah you played there before couple times yep yeah that was the sort of the indie you know the rock club um they they had a great they would have goth night there we would go dance at goth night every week (laughs) um yeah we had friends at work there and um i think i actually did sound there for a couple of months so when you put Um, when you put this new band this new project together uh you you left bull roar behind you weren't trying to do like none of the songs spilled over to the next band not at all that's not how we do it it's interesting we're yeah we wanted to start fresh hey colin i don't know if you can hear but your mic is turned off just so you know Um, oh yeah yeah i turn it off when i'm not talking oh i see yeah because he's making Um, a buttload of fucking noise (laughs) (laughs) yeah am i very, very kind of you colin so so like a clean slate thing. So what was this first four-man or four-person band version like? Watch for Pedro show. Yeah. Had a little fuck A-U-A-N-T-N-T moment there. And back with the uh, Tom and Colin here about how they got their band together. So this first four-person version, yeah, you, you, got, you didn't have to worry about looking for gigs because you were putting on gigs. So you, you would, like, foist your proj. Uh, I should, yeah. Maybe that's strong language. I'm sorry. I mean, did you, well, did you guys open up or did you headline? I mean. Yeah, depending on what the show was, maybe we would play. I mean, it was pretty, we did some ridiculous things where we would maybe, we didn't have a lot of songs written at that point. So we would do, 
you know, I don't know, I think we did some jamming, but the point was is that we kind of realized like having the venue, we were just putting a lot of energy into being creating the space where kind of anything could happen. And, you know, after a year of that, you kind of get tired of cleaning up other people's messes and, you know, living in a venue is tough or whatever. But anyways, you wanted to benefit from your work, from your efforts. Yeah. 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 That makes sense. Yeah. It makes, now, now, how did it get to seven dudes? Well, so me and Colin moved down there and I think we invited a couple guys from, from the, the, the Northeast down to play with us or we went one guy and he brought like two other guys with him. <laughs> <laughs> and then it kind of just became it. Then it grew from there. Um, so I think our first, we did we did some short tours on the South where I think it was a seven piece and pretty unproductive. Like we really, I think a lot of equipment got destroyed and we were, you know, the music wasn't really developed yet, but we just had all this energy and stuff. Um, one, I guess, in that scene, somewhat famous show is that we played at a convenience store in Greensboro. And, I mean, it was gnarly. Like, the, the, a lot of stuff got destroyed. <laughs> Greensboro, I think uh, a pro a Professor Eugene Chapman lives there. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So it was um, it was a chaotic gig and, and and stuff was destroyed. Yeah, we had to basically grab our instruments and run out of there. And um, <laughs> but I mean, you know, it was just like one of those. It was like, can we pull? Let's just do something. The guys that set it up um, figured it could happen, and it did. But uh, yeah, I think that some. You know, I don't know. Probably not that much stuff got badly destroyed, but you know, stuff got knocked over or whatever. But um, anyways, so. Convenience really... store, you know, that's talk. That's how they what they call them in uh, Japan. And uh, by the way, Seven Eleven is actually from there. Did you know that? Oh wow! <laughs> is it the same thing as Lawson's? It's called, that's like... No, that's a competitor. But that, it, it's actually called Seven Eleven Sunkiss. Okay. Yeah, uh, we're at the end of the second hour here at January 9, twenty twenty one. Dish Wapito Show special guest Colin Tom. Hold tight for hour three. January 9, 2021, it's the third hour of the Watt for Pedro show. Take come say strong and wise. He realized he must form a confederation. Say you truly understood the spirit of hope, Ohio. 
Squad for Pedro show. We start off the third hour with uh, U- USA's monster, Tecumseh. Now, he was close to, I think, like around the Toledo area, uh, Maumee River and that stuff. Right? Uh, Michigan and uh, Ohio had a war. Yeah. I think the feds, the only way they stopped it was they, they took some of Wisconsin. They gave them the, uh, what it turned out to be iron mines and shit. Really strange, our history. Uh, also the current stuff. <laughs> then Crane with uh, Special Blues and Trippa Bobip from USA's. What about this album? Where'd you guys do this? The new one? No, yeah, what I'm playing on this. Trip, the one that Trippa Bobip is on? Uh, I, it's hard for me to know which is which because you guys just right. flowed me to tunes. <laughs> Uh, well, we have a new record, and have I uh, been playing stuff on that? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, I okay. Happy Doze off of that, and a couple others. Okay, let's but, talk uh, about the new one since we're in the third hour. <laughs> sure, sure. We so yeah, we we stopped playing in two thousand nine, and took uh you know, let's say five, six years off and then slowly started making a record and just finished it and came out in October, 2020. And where'd you do it at? Tommy would fly to New York to do basic tracks, um, where I was living up until December. Oh, this was Um, the Brooklyn thing. Yeah. Yeah. When we were uh, an active band touring and whatnot for the, for the majority of that time we were in Brooklyn. Um, so not Char- Tom- oh, so you left the club in, in Charlottesville. Yeah, yeah, quickly. In okay. fact, and then traveled and traveled, and then ended up in uh, Brooklyn for years. Okay, and and that's where you made your records, and then finally this guy here, and this one was done because what Tom ends up moving to Ann Arbor, right? Exactly. Yeah, we stopped working, and Tommy moved to Ann Arbor, and then I stayed in New York, and. We just took a break and then slowly started putting music together. You know, I've recorded in Brooklyn. Tony Mamoni has got a studio, Studio G with uh, Joel Thompson. I've recorded there as well. He's a, uh, is amazing. Joel Hamilton. Joel Hamilton. That's it. Yeah, yeah. Tony yeah, well, is special. Well, Tony, man, uh, you know, he's a bass man from Peru, but a big hero of mine. Yeah, he's, he's a magical presence in the studio, too. Man, is he a... Yeah, he's a kindred spirit. He's a so I'm curious, where did you guys record in Brooklyn? Uh, well, we recorded. I had this little studio. We recorded there in our friend Justin's space. Um, pretty low, a low low budget. Uh, you know, okay. spaces with mics. Yeah, it was great. The record sounds or the stuff you gave me is great. Thank you. Um, Mastered yeah, a little I, hard, a little little brick wall. I'm not going to say K-Rock, but <laughs> Papa Roach, but <laughs> maybe next time let it breathe a little bit. But, man, you guys play great, and you write bitching tunes. Oh, thank you, man. Yeah, Colin Colin spent a lot of time with the production and did, did lots of work and mixed. And um, so, after, you know, after we had all the tracks recorded, um, Colin uh, put many hours into the production. But But essentially... The four-man version gone, the seven-man version gone. You went back to the two guys, right? Yeah. Okay, so it's only you two on this. Uh, yeah, there's a couple other people for a solo or two. Okay. But it's me, me and Tom, yeah. And the way you wrote it, 
did you guys like make demos? Yes, uh, very rudimentary lo-fi demos and MIDI and whatever, and would uh, email them back and forth to each other. Right, until Tom made the big airplane ride. Okay. Exactly. And then, uh, yeah, man, uh, interesting. So, so this must have been a couple years ago then, right? Uh, yeah, well, it took like four or five years to make. Right, <laughs> right. But, I mean, you probably finished up before this uh, COVID-19, right? Yes, we did. Yeah. Yep. So uh, plans for tour kind of got put on hold. <laughs> well, we weren't planning on touring. We were hoping to do a record release show or two. But <laughs> actually, to perform it, we we're back to a seven piece. Okay. And <laughs> It was um, um, going to be daunting anyway, so it was sort of, uh, wow, we don't have to actually play. But um, <laughs> What about this tune, Verbs? Is this from the new record? Yes, it is. Okay, let's play It's good.
sunsets on the industrial for Pedro Show, last music for this edition, Verbs from USA is a Monster, On the Banks of the River Swale from University Challenge, and finally, Sunset at the End of the Industrial Age by USA is a Monster. And so where, where can people find you guys on the internet? Um, we're on Bandcamp. Uh, uh, I guess it's called The USA is a Monster. Um, but USA no... is a Monster is one word. I mean, I really like Bandcamp and stuff, but you guys don't have your own personal website. No. In fact, uh, when we broke up in 2009, the next morning after our last show, I just deleted everything. (laughs) (laughs) So that last show was probably a real good one. (laughs) It was. It was a good show. (laughs) Then why'd you scissor all the shit? (laughs) I just, the internet, I have a strange relationship with it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, well uh, you and Tom trade files, or you just wait um, for in-person appearances? Yeah, we yeah we trade files. Okay, so it's not all bad. No. Yeah, no, but this yeah, obviously this last record is the only one we wrote that way where we were just we you know we didn't see each other that much. We're just sending each other tracks and. Listening right. to them, working on them. So, right, and ends to a mean. So, uh, yeah. you know, so how long altogether has the band been together, including the hiatus? Uh, 2001 or two. So, 20 years. Yeah, okay. yeah 2000. Okay, 2000. Do you, uh, either and or one of you. Have advice to somebody to keep a proj going 20 years? Advice to keep a proj going 20. How do you keep something going 20 years long and even with a big hiatus in the middle? What, what, what's your advice for something like that? Well, I I could jump in a little in, in that once you develop a process, it needs to live. So it's kind of beyond you and you get addicted to making that process thrive. I like that. I like that. So in a way, it becomes its own living thing. 100%. And I hope that people can find that. Yeah, yeah. Anything else? Well, yeah, spiritual connection helps, you know. Absolutely. We're pretty lucky that we, we, we have that connection that we can just get together and make some music, you know. Absolutely. I, I, that's beautiful also. Uh, in fact, what you both said for me, very inspiring. Thank you so much. And, and by proven by example, by this record, you know, beautiful music. I can't, I can't wait till you make, you're going to make another one, right? It might take another 10 years. That's all right. Yeah. 
Yeah, you know, you slow, know what, slow but steady. Yeah. You know what Orson? You know what Orson Welles said, right? No wine before it's time. <laughs> <laughs> Probably some fucking two buck Chuck Palmasan bullshit. Screw on top. <laughs> Tom, yeah. Colin, both you guys, you're beautiful inspirations for me. Thank you so much. Big honor for me to have you on the show. Huge honor, Watt. Okay. Yeah, huge, huge honor for us. Okay, we keep, so on, keep, we keep on keeping on. People, it's been the January 9, 2021. Dish Watt Peter, so keep your powder dry. <laughs>